This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, Episode 68. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers podcast, and today I'm happy to welcome Harris Reese to the Baller Circle. Harris is the president and CEO, COO of Changing Lanes International, which helps speakers, coaches, and authors get more exposure so they can excel their brands and become true ballers. He's also a two-time national award-winning entrepreneur, two-time national best-selling author, keynote speaker, and elite marketing consultant. He helped Changing Lanes International become a six-figure business in less than a year, He's a previous growth hacker at VaynerMedia, helping Gary Vaynerchuk build his personal brand and ran paid media for the top 1% users on Facebook. So Harris, I'm really happy to have you on the show. Thanks for coming and joining the Baller Circle. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me, the original baller. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So Harris, with all your accomplishments and all the things that you've done, I want to I want to kind of get an idea of your background. Uh, so what was life like growing up and where, where did you grow up? Yeah, man, it's actually really funny you asked that. I'm not from uh, the States, actually, originally. I'm from Bosnia. I was born in Germany. Uh, My parents had to evade the war in Bosnia. Uh, So we went to Germany, uh, and then I happened. (laughs) We went back to Bosnia, uh, lived there for a little bit, went to Croatia, and then we were fortunate enough to get papers to come to the United States. And out of all places, we landed in Omaha, Nebraska, (laughs) smack dab in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, man. So what um, what was it? I guess was there anything that happened to you when you were growing up that uh, kind of gave you that bug of I want to eventually become an entrepreneur? Man, honestly, just being truthful and with you and transparent, it was never really like that for me. Um, my both my parents worked very very hard throughout my whole entire childhood, and I've always I've I've just I feel like I've always gotten their hustle. Uh, and it was never really, uh, Hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur thing. It was like, Hey, I need to make money. Like my parents are working their butts off and I want to work with them. Um, and I just feel like I've gotten, you know, 10% of their hustle, um, engraved in me. And then like, I just worked really hard and my first job was actually at 12 years old. And then I was used, I was officiating soccer games. That was the only job I could get, but it was, you know, money. So I did that, and then my dad, you know, played soccer all over Europe. He's a phenomenal player, and then my cousin's a FIFA ref, so I, I know soccer very well, and I was around that world, and it was easy, easy for me because I enjoyed what I did, and it was fun and kept me in shape. And then at 14, it was just my first opportunity to do my own thing, and I ran an internet marketing, uh, like an affiliate store. I just became an affiliate of Best Buy and Walmart and all that stuff, so I, that was my first business. And I just kind of did that, and it, you know, it didn't take off necessarily. It failed, but like I learned, and then I did something else, and I did something else, and then like throughout my entire like working, you know, quote unquote working like a nine to five type thing, uh, throughout that whole career, I kept trying to find something I could do on my own because I knew you won't necessarily get wealthy uh, spiritually, you know, within money and you know with your health, uh, just having a nine to five alone. And I always knew I could do do very well on my very own by myself without anybody else. And I just had one business after another after another. And I always kept learning digital marketing. And I always learned and I always learned. And I kept you know growing and getting better and getting better. And so you know, fast forward today, you read that bio, and I'm 
beyond blessed to have all those accomplishments. I'm beyond blessed to have worked with Gary Vaynerchuk personally and that whole team. That was an experience of a lifetime. Um, but I also feel like I've worked very, very hard to get to that point. And my parents' hustle kind of was engraved in me early on. I skipped a lot of parties in high school and a lot of the, you know, hanging out with friends. And all I did was studied, was learning, was reading books, was not listening to podcasts necessarily, but watching whole keynotes on YouTube <laughs> repeatedly. I had one keynote by Bob Proctor that I watched once a month uh, just to make sure I'm thinking the right way. Oh. So th- I think that was just something that was instilled in me was early on was just to be a hustler. And then I realized I could make more and do more on my own. I like that a lot. So before we move forward, I got to know, what, what what was this Bob Proctor keynote so I can look this thing up? <laughs> uh, it was Bob Proctor Speaks at OMG is the title. Okay. And the funny thing is when he speaks on the st- that stage, uh, he spoke at an event I was at called CEO Space the week before. And me and him had a talk. My very first mentor was a lady named Laurel Langmeyer. She's from Nebraska. She's known as the Millionaire Maker, and she teaches you all about finance. Um, she was actually my first, like, you know, actual mentor. And me and Bob Proctor talked about Laurel for a minute backstage. And the way I got backstage, actually, I sneak snuck into backstage because I'm like, well, I came all this way to, you know, <laughs> the seminar. Might as well meet all the speakers. And they didn't really want you to network with all the speakers. So I just kind of snuck backstage. I could look. I was a part of staff and then <laughs> talked about Proctor for a little bit. <laughs> nice, nice. I like that. And then uh, a week later, he goes on this uh, OMG seminar thing. And he talks about Laurel. And I always think that I somehow, even though it wasn't necessarily me, I still feel like I influenced his talk in a tiny little way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like that. Initiative. Take that initiative. That's awesome, man. So, um, all right. So you, you got this motivational speech that you watch once a month. You, you had a number of failures before you found success. What do you think, uh, or what are some things that you even think about today that you learned from your failures that, that helps you, um, even, even today? Yeah, it's not so much about failing. It's, you know, it's just going from failure to failure without the loss of enthusiasm. I forgot who said that. Um, but that, I think it was that Winston is Churchill. Actually, that, yeah, there you go. It is Winston Churchill. Yeah. Um, but I, I took that to heart and I'm like, all right, cool. Like this didn't work. Now I know that didn't work. So I'm going to try something else. And it's so cliche. Everybody says it, but like, it's really true. Like the more time you take on losing, the less time you have on focusing on other things that could be productive and could make you win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I guess it transitioned into like the sports world instead of like entrepreneurship world. Cause everyone says the same thing. Um, transitioning it. If you're in like a basketball tournament or let's just say a MMA tournament, a kickboxing tournament for more fun. Uh, you're in a kickboxing tournament and you have, you know, a bracket of eight people, you know, you're going to fight four people if you go to the finals, right? If if you lose one time and there's like a loser's bracket and you always spend, all you do is spend time on your one loss and thinking about why you lost, how you lost, suck, losing sucks, and you're not focusing, okay, what can I do to improve myself? What did I do wrong? Was I not doing the right combos? Was I not moving around too much? Was I standing still? Was I not bobbing my head? You know, and then making sure you win that next fight versus just saying, oh, man, this is what I did wrong and focusing on your on everything you did wrong instead of focusing on what you could do right. Mm, I like that. I like that. So and I, and I totally agree with you. I think that's that's so important for people to analyze their, you know, not not get kind of bogged down in the fact that oh, I failed. I'm a failure. But just focusing on thinking, OK, what can I do next time so this doesn't happen again? Um, mm-hmm. So you you start uh, working with. Gary Vaynerchuk, and I got to ask you, what what was that like, and how did you get to that? Uh, how did you get to work with uh, VaynerMedia in the in the first place? Oh man, that was a crazy story. Um, so initially, the guy that got me into 
uh, this whole digital marketing thing was at one of Laurel's events. His name was Ryan Dice. He's the CEO and founder of Digital Marketer. And he went on stage, and instead of, like, all the other, like, BS people I've heard saying, like, oh, you'll make money while you sip on a margarita in the Bahamas, <laughs> and your bank will just, you'll build one web page, and it'll go from zero to a bajillion dollars overnight. Watch, I've done it. <laughs> you know? He actually got on stage, and he's like, man, it's so cool. You can build split funnel tests, and you can do this and that, and you can create an ad. And then I can create a follow-up email sequence where I can do this, I can do this. And then what's cool is I can see what you're doing, and I can make one email saying, Oh hey, I know you're open the last three of my emails. I know you've gone to my website. So why, you know, what's happening? I'm like, man, this is so cool. And he's the one who got me into the whole internet marketing world. Uh, so fast forward a year later, he has this event called Traffic and Conversion. I was, you know, obsessed with Ryan's, you know, philosophies and teachings. I signed up for every single product they had that I could afford, um, and consumed all of their content. But then they're like, hey, you want to come live? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And I bought a ticket for like 500 bucks, and I said, hey, do you want the VIP? I was like, damn, you guys are good. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I bought VIP, which at this event, there's like five or 6,000 marketers, and it's right there in San Diego. I don't know if you've heard of it. I have heard of all, it. Michael. I'll be there uh, okay. uh, this year. Nice. Well, I guess next year, because the one this year actually already happened, but yeah, next year. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I went to it, and there's like five or 6,000 people. So having VIP really doesn't mean anything, except you get a table. Uh, and a notepad to write on, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But I noticed Gary was going to be like the keynote speaker. And this was way after I already bought my ticket. So I was like, oh, this is an extra bonus. But then I'm like, all right, still two weeks before I'm like, how do I stand out? How do I stand out? And then he was, I was watching the Ask Gary Vee show and he says, you know, it doesn't matter if you go to Harvard or Schmarvard, uh, business is business or something like that. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And, and then he says, Hey, we're making this shirt. Smartbird shirt, buy yours now. And I'm like, oh, I'm actually going to buy it because then I can say, hey, look out for your own shirt when you're on stage. But then if you've ever spoken on stage, you know, you don't really see anyone but anyone in the first like row. Mm -hmm. And then some colors don't stick out at all. So I'm like, what color would it stick out? What color would stick out? I'm like, I'm going to get blue. Um, so I got like this blue Smartbird shirt. And I kept emailing Gary two weeks before the event every day at the same time when I know <laughs> that he's going to the gym. Um, yeah, it was kind of creepy. <laughs> um, but I emailed him every day, and I'm like, hey, man, look out for me. And I wasn't really expecting a reply. I was just like, hey, man, look out for me. Blue Schmarberg shirt. I'll sit front and center at traffic conversion every single day. And then the night before came, and I couldn't sleep at night. I was at a hotel like five minutes away from that one, um, and it was disgusting. It didn't have like a shower in the hotel. It didn't have like bathrooms. It had like shared ones, but like bugs and bees were flying all around the toilet. Oh, and I'm man. like, oh, that's gross. <laughs> So I had to like go down to the 24-hour fitness gym uh, just to like brush my teeth and shower in the morning and night. Um, but you do what you got to do sometimes, you know. Like yeah. uh, you can't always make an excuse like, "Oh, I don't have money" or "I don't have this," "I don't have that." Like find a way to freaking do it and do it. Um, but I was there and I'm like, man, I don't really. There's nothing in this room to do, <laughs> um, and I can't sleep. So I was just kind of laying around, tossing my bed, and I'm like, All right, "How do I get front and center? How do I get front and center?" I'm like, three o'clock rolls around. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go to this freaking event. <laughs> And the, the thing doesn't start till 9. Networking starts at like 8, 8.30. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go now. And then I show up and like, obviously like everything's open. Like no one's going to be there at 3 o'clock in the morning. No one's that crazy. Um, and then the guy, like I open the door and he's like, hey, can I help you? And I had a backpack and my Schwarber shirt on and jeans. And he's like, hey man, like the event doesn't start for another like seven hours. What, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Or six hours. I'm like, man, what are you, what am I doing? What are you doing? I work here. I'm the AV guy. I got to make sure all the AV is plugged in and works. What are you talking about? Why would I be here at three o'clock in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> what are you, well, you're nuts, man. What, what's wrong with you? 
So then I put all my stuff down, and then, like, literally front and center, I put my backpack down, and I went and played with, like, all the wires, but I didn't <laughs> want to screw anything up. So I didn't want to unplug anything and plug it back in, because I didn't know if that would, like, screw something up, and I didn't want to, like, mess up their event. Yeah. Um, so I just, like, touched all the wires. <laughs> Made it look like I was tightening them in or something. Um, and then I did that for a little bit, and then I came back to the table and took some photos from the stage and things like that. Um and then I actually took a video. I was like, I just got done speaking at traffic conversion, but uh, <laughs> everybody left. <laughs> nice. And it was like an empty crowd. Um, people got a chuckle out of that. And then, um, yeah, so I did that. And then I was like, all right, cool. Now it's 830. I'm going to go network with some people. Um, but I'm like, I can't just leave my backpack on the chair because someone can just move my backpack, put it on the floor, and just take my spot, you know? Yeah. So then I put my laptop out. I put my notebook out. And I put all my stuff out. So I'm like, so if someone's really going to take all my stuff, like, they're going to have to take a minute. <laughs> Versus just sitting to the next, you know, chair available. Right. Um, so then I went and networked for a little bit, and 9 o'clock rolls around. They open the doors. People literally run in. They're sprinting in to get a good spot. And there I am with uh, – it was a coffee cup filled with water because I don't drink coffee. <laughs> and I'm just walking in and slowly and calmly, and I just see my spot, and no one's touching it. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. And then Gary gets on stage later that night at like 6 o'clock at night or 7. And then as he's walking on stage, he goes – Schmarvert, I see you. Nice. And then I was like, thanks, man. And then I think I influenced his talk too because he kept coming up with words that say like Schmarvers with the S C H, you know, whatever. If you, if you look up his keynote at the Traffic and Conversion 2016, I think, um, you'll you'll actually see his keynote and then you'll see him like throwing in words that start with S C H and throwing in like random stuff. Oh, that's awesome. And I think I influenced it somehow. But after at Traffic and Conversion, they go right into the green room. I'm like, man, I can't lose him. Um, I, I did all this work and like, it's cool. I got a little shout out, but it's not really what I wanted. I mean, it is, but it's not all I wanted. I'm greedy. <laughs> well, not greedy. Um, but I want more. And I was like, man, my gut just tells me like, go, go run up there real quick and talk to him just for a minute. And I ran up there and I'm like, Gary, um, Hey man, I'm free over the summer. You got a spot open for me on the team? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, man, of course I do. Let's talk. I was like, cool, man. I'm an immigrant. I'll hustle really hard. And he goes, cool, man, send me an email. I'll be in my car for the next, like, two hours because I'm driving up to L.A. or whatever. I was like, cool. Um, I took a picture with him, and then everyone else, like, jumped out of their chairs and did the same thing. <laughs> but I learned, like, you got to be a leader in life. Like, if I didn't do that, he would have gone to the green room, and that would have been it. Yeah. Versus he was the last keynote. Everyone ran up. Uh, Ryan's like, are you okay with this, Gary? He's like, yeah, I don't really give. I don't really care. Um, so he let it happen. But, like, you, I noticed, like, in life you have to be first. You can't wait. If I waited for that opportunity, who knows if someone else would have jumped up. You know what I mean? Right, right, yeah. So I jumped up. And I'm not saying that was a good idea. Like, that you shouldn't have done that. But, like, then again, you, you have to work. You know, you have to get creative. <laughs> um, and you have to take risks. So that's what I did. And uh, he, within 10 minutes of me emailing him, connected me to uh, his head guy, Andy uh, Kranjak at VaynerMedia. And Andy said, cool, let's jump on a call. Let's interview you real quick. Cool. I jumped on a call. Uh, the whole interview lasted like two and a half minutes, and he kept cutting me off. And he's like, hey, man, what, what college do you go to? I was like, the University of – oh, okay, great, great, great. Um, <laughs> so what do you like doing? Uh, marketing on um, – oh, okay, cool. Um, hey, so you got a place to stay out here? Man, I'll figure that out. That's like the smallest problem. Right. And he's like, cool. All right, man. Well, uh, you're starting – what did he say? Like – June 1st, and I'm like, cool, can I start May 26th? <laughs> um, just because, like, my sister was getting married, and, and I had to, like, 
in August. So I'm like, man, I want like the full 10 week experience. Well, they just let me come in like two weeks earlier. Right. Right. Um, and that fortunate enough they did. And my first day was like meeting with Hulk Hogan and, uh, Ariana Huffington from the Huffington Post came in and Wyclef and Fat Joe. Like that was all like amazing. Wow. People would have paid tens of thousands of dollars to be in that room. And I was fortunate enough to be making money, like just learning. <laughs> and then, um, it was amazing, an amazing experience. You know, I went in there thinking like, oh, I'm just going to meet Gary. I'm here for Gary. Um, I did get to meet Gary. Gary and I, you know, I was on a couple of the Ask Gary V shows for a couple of seconds. He gave me a shout out. He let me introduce myself to like the Vayner Nation. Um, but I was, you know, blown away by his whole team and how devoted they are to him. Uh, most of the time when you meet someone that's an idol, they're not exactly what you, you know, expect. These people work early in the mornings until late at nights. And I was the only intern that worked early in the morning to like midnight every day with the rest of the team. Huh. Even though they tell me like, hey, Harsh, go check out New York City. Go do this. Like, you don't have to be here past five. And I'm like, no, like I came here to work. I want to learn from you guys. And that's what I'm here for. And that's what I'm going to do. I can come back to New York anytime I want yeah. and just explore the city. Yeah. Like, this won't be here after 12 weeks. Um, so I'm going to take every minute I can and take advantage of that. So then I, I worked really, really, really hard. And at times I was really testing myself and pushing myself to go outside of my boundaries um, because they are really, really good. Every single one of Gary's people on his team are absolutely amazing at what they do. Uh, creating photos, if Andrew's creating photos, if D-Rock is creating videos or anyone like Stefan is creating editing videos, like anyone that's doing anything, um, they are so freaking good at what they did. And I was decent enough at all different things, but I wasn't phenomenal at any one thing in specific. Um, so just, it was eye opening how good they are and how talented they are and how hardworking they are. Um, it was just blow, blew my mind. And I, I was fortunate enough to just meet everyone there on the team. Cool, man. Cool. That's awesome. That's a great story. Um, so let's talk about, let's talk about changing lanes international. Um, so how, how exactly do you go about helping speakers, coaches, authors, these people get exposure? What, what's, what are the strategies that people need to be able to do to really propel themselves uh, and their brands? Yeah. So first, you know, I picked up a lot of things working with Gary, but I also picked up a lot of things before Gary and the whole digital world and how to really promote yourself and how to build funnels and all this other stuff. And the most important thing is having a good digital footprint. Um, no matter what someone says, when they go home, they will Google you. And if Google doesn't match what you said to them at the networking event, at the conference, during the podcast, during the show, they're not going to trust you. They're going to trust Google. Am I right or am I wrong? Oh, yeah, Michael? definitely, definitely. And when they take your card, do they remember everything you said or are they going to Google you? They're going to Google you. Maybe they'll go. You'll be lucky if they Google you. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to go home and write on notepad everything you said. They're just going to Google you and throw away that business card. Yeah. And fun fact, I've actually never carried a business card ever in my life except for one event where I used three cards and that was it. And on the back of it, it said, like, it had the event, it had the date, and it had all this other stuff. So I made specific cards for one event, which then I, I never ended up actually using. <laughs> but, like, I've never had them. I always, get, I always try to connect with someone. I get their name. I get their Facebook. I get, I get their number. I get their email. I get something right there um, because I want the follow-up to be in my control. I don't want, you know, let's say, Michael, me and you meet each other at a networking event, and I give you my card. I have to wait for you to send me something before we can connect, right? Right. Well, 90, 90% of people won't follow through, and I don't want that to happen. It's not because they don't want to talk to you. It's not because they don't want to meet you. It's because life happens. 
and they go home after the event or wherever, whatever you guys were doing before. They go home and life happens. Your kids are sick or car breaks down or you just get so busy. Just life happens. It's not that they don't want to talk to you. It's not that they don't want to connect. It's just that happens. Um, but I like having that in my control because I know 100% I'm going to follow up 100% of the time, right? Right. You, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So I wanted to follow up and I always want to have in control of that. So I get everyone else's information first. And then what do I do? I check their digital footprint. <laughs> um, so if you don't have a strong digital footprint, you're already lost. You're already losing in the game. And when you say like, oh, Horace, I don't know how to get a digital footprint. It's so easy. Neither did I. I didn't hire an SEO guy. I didn't have money for that. I didn't hire anyone. All I did, this was my whole strategy. And Michael, I'm going to give you a golden nugget. Bring it right on. Now. I love gold. <laughs> yeah, this is gold. You would never have thought of this. So I wanted Google to put me everywhere. So I got on everything I possibly could get on and I just overflew. <laughs> Uh, I, I just like over indexed Google and I just threw everything I could. I got on every podcast, every blog, every single website, every domain I could. I got every single thing I could. And I just said, Google, you're going to have too much stuff on me to deny me being on the first page. <laughs> <laughs> no SEO. I didn't hire anyone. I just flooded it with info. So how did you do that? What was your strategy of like connecting with all these people, getting on all these podcasts, all these websites? Well, first I was like, well, what do I have to value? You know, where where can I bring value to someone? And at the time, I didn't really have much. I had five failed businesses. I could teach you how to not start a business. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that didn't have a whole lot of value to people. You know, and then pre-Gary, I was just learning a lot. Like, people didn't really recognize my name, didn't really, you know, there's no value I could necessarily bring them. So I just kind of put my head down and I granted for a little bit. And I built the business, you know, that's a six-figure business now with Lane. I'm a business partner. So we did that. Now I have someone, something I can teach someone, right? Right. And then I made people authorities. Um, I've taught people how to get on stages, podcasts, things like that. But I was like, cool. So before I teach someone how to do it, I have to make sure I can do it, right? So then I learned how to do this. And one thing that I learned was I have to design like an overwhelm email. It's my most like successful thing I do. It's an email with all of my stuff. Michael actually never sent it to you. Um, because now I have a website which basically does the same thing. Um, but the email just has every like accomplishment I had, uh, sample podcast interviews, stages I've been on. Um, but I know that there's no way in hell someone's going to click on every single thing. But I want to give that impression that I've been on lots of things. You know what I mean? Right. And then whatever they do click on is going to be valuable and it's going to be good. And I know there's no way in hell they're going to read through everything. If they do, that's great. But I just know that people aren't going to take 10 minutes to read an email. Um, but what they do read is going to be good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. That's awesome, man. So you're so, you know, a minute ago, you were talking about like people um, getting an opportunity to speak. And I know you've been a keynote speaker at events. Yeah. How do people go about I know sometimes, you know, when you get super famous, or you, you've had a lot of accomplishments, you have people reaching out to you saying, Hey, I, you know, here's an opportunity to speak in my event. Do you want to come? Before you get to that mm -hmm. point, is there a proactive way for you to find speaking opportunities? Yeah, um, it's simple. You use Google and you look up events near you. And then you you look at like contact information on those pages. Right? And then you say, hey, um, my name is Michael or Horace. I would like to speak at your event. This is what I have to, value, to offer to bring value to your audience. I would love to jump on a quick phone call to discuss any potential opportunity. Hmm. And I always say jump on a phone call versus like emailing because emailing back and forth can take time. 
versus just getting them on a quick phone call, 10, 15 minutes, you can do a lot more uh, damage uh, than you can with like emails. Yeah. So I would say, hey, let's just jump on a phone. When when will work best for you? And they won't always reply. But if you message 100 people, I guarantee you five of them will. Right. At least I would hope so. Right. You know, you can't expect 100 people to respond to you. Is that how you got your first speaking gig? Uh, no, actually, how my first speaking gig was way different. It was a friend of mine through an event uh, in downtown Omaha. And he's like, Harris, would you like to keynote? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and I had a megaphone, and I was expecting, like, hundreds of people to be there. There were six. I had a megaphone. And my whole talk was on my note cards. <laughs> um, and I just did my whole keynote talk on a megaphone. Now, when it comes to uh, speaking gigs, uh, are, are most, I guess, when you're starting out, I assume that, you know, you're, some, some speaking gigs are paid, some <clears throat> speaking gigs are, are free. Um, is there a, uh, I guess, a point in which it makes sense to um, be okay with getting free, free gigs and a point where you're, where only makes sense to do paid gigs how do you differentiate the two what do you you think absolutely so a if it's near me i will most i will usually do a free gig if it's near me Mm -hmm. like if it's eight hours away and i have to jump on a plane i have to get an airbnb or things like that then it's like okay well you know this is a thousand dollar thing that's jumping out of my pocket i gotta make sure it's worth it now i'm not saying it's worth it in like sales like if i go speak to you know, for me, being from Bosnia, if I go speak to a hundred kids that are immigrants from Bosnia, uh, I'm gonna, you bet you, I'm gonna jump on that plane and go talk to them, right? But like, if it's just a hundred middle schoolers out there in Kentucky, you know, how much influence can I really have on them? Right. Versus, you know, now if there's events where I'm like, oh, okay, cool, I'm sharing the stage with Ryan Dice or uh, with someone fun, like, cool, I, I have that credibility piece. Is that worth the X amount of dollars it will cost me to go out there? Or, hey, this event is starting out. Um, have they had past events that are successful or past, you know, a proven track record of success? And if they did, cool, I want to jump on board early with this, provide value to them, help them. And then as it grows, hopefully they'll keep returning me if I knocked it out of the park and it can turn into a good long relationship. Now, that doesn't always work. Someone will invite you out, and the whole event can be a failure, or negotiations, or all that stuff can, but like that's the way I evaluate if I go out somewhere for free or if I don't. Okay. And honestly, sometimes it's not even if it's getting paid or not. It's just, you know, is this the audience that I want to be in front of? Right, right. Okay. So let's um, let's talk about uh, the being a best-selling author, and I know you work with a lot of other authors, what is it? Because I, I know I've heard the whole thing of like, you know, you really start the process of marketing your book like a year before you even write it, right? Um, yeah. So what 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 is it that people need to be doing before they even write the book? And then, um, and, and I'm curious as to, as to if if that sort of process almost influences the writing that you do to the book. Does it, does it almost change? Mm-hmm. You get more ideas and say, hey, I thought I was going to write about this, but now that I've done this promotion, I realize maybe I, the book changes a little bit just from that. Sure. What we do is we self-publish, right? We go through self-publishing, and that's for numerous reasons. You get to keep the rights on the book. You get to design your own cover. You have more say. If it's you know your birthday and you want to do a special birthday cover, you can do that um, for season. You know, if it's New Year's Eve, you can change the cover versus self-publish or traditional publishing. You can't do any of that. So you get more control when you traditionally or self-publish. Excuse me. So we do that just because it gives you more control as the author. So we do that first, but like. The cool thing is if you want to change things, you can always change it no matter if it's live or not. 
Um, but this typically this is our process is someone does a brain dump or we have ghostwriters on our team who jump on a call and interview you and they will actually take your story for you know and pick it apart piece by piece now the cool thing is like they're trained on interviewing so they know how to really pull that story out of you right. and the cool thing is like chapter by chapter instead of sending the whole book back and someone has to read through 300 pages we do it chapter by chapter, which is, you know, 15 pages typically, right around there, sometimes 20, 25, but um, depending on, you know, your story, and some chapters might be bigger or smaller, but that's like the average. Um, you read that, and it's a lot easier to see how the book flows. Okay. And then it's like, oh, well, shoot, I want to add this, I want to add that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just our team just does a great process, and then just about three months before you launch, we come up with a launch campaign one dates we get you on interviews and shows and even live tv sometimes so like it just depends on kind of where we are and the timeline but we almost never get someone that says cool i want to launch my book in a year it's typically like hey i'm gonna launch it in a couple weeks (laughs) and then or we had one client phenomenal guy absolutely loved working with them but it was like Hey guys, I'm ready to publish my book. I just want you guys to take me across the finish line. Cool. We looked at the book. It was 700 pages. wasn't even close to ready. The cover wasn't done. The spine wasn't done right. The barcode wasn't right. And I'm like, man, you're not even close to launching tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and then fast forward three months later, we're launching the book. And now he's speaking all over the country and not even the country, all over the world. He just spoke to a group in Malaysia. He just spoke in, uh, I think it was Thailand. I can't remember exactly if it was Thailand or not. It was definitely Malaysia. Um, but he's traveling all over the world now speaking. That's awesome. So you, so your company, uh, you help them, you help them write the book, you help them promote the book and get them, uh, speaking opportunities and exposure, uh, on, uh, <laughs> media and stuff like that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Um, so another question I have for you is, um, I, I'm curious with all the, all the different people you've worked with, I, you know, it's like. I've seen uh, the interviews that you've done with super successful people. You've helped tons of authors and speakers and on all these people. And I'm, I'm sure through all these different relationships that you've built, I'm, I'm curious, what have you learned almost from uh, outside of, you know, obviously the great experience you've had with Gary Vee. Um, what have you learned from some of your clients? That's a great question, actually. Um, with me specifically, and I know, you know, your audience, there's members in the audience that are exactly like this, especially if they're millennials. I'm 23 years old. And I know a lot of, you know, millennials, we love, love, love to rush. We love to do things quickly. Um, I'm an immigrant. Gary always talks about immigrants having this specific hustle, and I believe in it. Um, So one thing that I think is huge is like, always wanting to go fast. And I don't have to be perfect. I I just want to go quick, 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 quick. And I learned with some of my clients, especially the older clientele, that like sometimes it's better just to slow down, take a breath, and not have to go so fast all the time. Um, sometimes getting it perfect is better than going fast, but then also speed is you know good as well. So it's just kind of finding that perfect balance. Nice. Okay. And it's still a work in progress today. Okay. <laughs> well, I think that's great <laughs> advice because I do think it's you know people get so excited. They want, they want something to happen quickly. And if it doesn't, and unfortunately a lot of people, it's like they get so hyped up about things moving quickly that if it doesn't happen quickly, they end up quitting. Um, and then that, that, that's just, uh, you know, it's unfortunate uh, because it's like, man, you, you might've been so close to the finish line if you just kept, kept, uh, kept moving forward. Uh, yeah. And actually one quick thing, sorry, Michael, to cut you off, but there's one quick thing that just jumped in my mind. And it's also, 
people, and I used to be a huge, you know, I used to do this all the time, and now I don't anymore. Uh, so when I was actually first starting off, I'd always build a product and then shove that product down someone's throat. You need this. You need this. You didn't need this. Um, versus today, I've learned that they will tell you what they want and what they need. Mm-hmm. Now, I can suggest what they need, but I don't necessarily have like eight products. I'm like, this is exactly what you will want and need versus like they'll tell me. And this is how we develop products. Like when Changing Lanes wasn't a six-figure company, there was one product before I came on board. Um, and now we have dozens. Right. And this is how it developed is literally listening to our clients. Oh, man, if I, I, I want this book done, but if I just had a writer – Cool. Let's hire a writer. Right. Oh man, now the writer's great, but like I just want to talk into my phone and have that turn into this book. Cool. Let's do that. <laughs> and you know, when I had my first sale, I was at an event with uh, Laurel Langmire, and it's called Three Days of Cash. She guarantees you make money. Two and a half days goes by, I didn't make a single sale, and I had three products. And I'm shoving those three products down everyone's throats. So I'm like, I got to get a sale. Um, when I stopped doing that, I started listening to what people wanted. This is how the actual book program came to life. Someone's like, Oh man, if I could just learn how to write a book, my life would change. And I'm like, I know how to write a book, which I really didn't know how to write a book. <laughs> um, but like, here's the cool thing: like, you can promise people things, and you can be confident in it, and just be willing to return their money if you can't. But if you have a network of people that you know can do it, and I've had a big network of people that I have become authors, and I know I knew how to, you know, if I went to them and asked them how they do it, they would tell me. And that's literally what happened. I started getting sales left and right. Literally, no one stopped saying no to me. Everyone's like, yeah, I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. Literally went around the room basically collecting credit cards. That's awesome. Um, And that's just because I started listening versus, you know, trying to shove my stuff down their throat. Yeah. So you you follow the Richard Branson approach of, you know, if someone asks you to do something, say yes, and then go figure out how to do it after. after Yeah, we have a phrase for it, actually. (laughs) Are we allowed to swear? Uh, Sure. It's called make... Sure. Okay. It's called make shit up. MSU. We say MSU it. So when we're on a call with a client and there's something they need uh, to make our product better and make their product or company better, yeah. uh, we call MSUing it. <laughs> and then we come up with a name for it and then we actually develop the thing after. Nice. Nice. Well, sometimes it's what you need to do, you know? Um, and it just, it, it, as long as you can, like you said, you're not, you're, you're not deceiving people. You're like, I'm going to, I'm going to say yes. And then I'm actually going to figure out how to do it. And if I can't do it, then I'll return their money. So I'm not going to just, you know, say I can do it, not deliver and then run away with <laughs> run away with the money. Um, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, Harris, I really appreciate the time. Um, really appreciate you coming on the show. You, you provided a, a lot of value to the baller circle. I know people out there who are listening or, you know, taking notes and trying to figure out like, how can I, you know, write my first book? How can I get some speaking opportunities? Uh, and I know probably also, how can I get in touch with Harris? So, uh, how can the baller circle get in touch with you and learn more about your business? Yeah, man, a couple things. I can go to Harris Reese, H A R I S Reese, R E I S.com. Um, that should have stuff to contact me on. My personal email is Horace Reese at Gmail. Reach out to me. Um, and then, you know, let's stay connected. If you guys want jump on any social media platform, it's all on my site. Um, let's stay connected, reach out. I would love to see how I can bring value to you guys. And just remember, winners focus on winning, losers focus on winners. So focus on how to build the best product or service and don't worry about your comp- competition. Focus on being the best version of you you can be. I like that. Winners focus on winning, losers focus on winners. <laughs> it's my favorite saying, man. And like we talked about this before I jumped on. Uh, we kind of talked about that uh, Muay Thai tournament, kickboxing tournament I'm going to be at October 6th. Everyone's focusing, every other competitor is focusing on what every other competitor is doing versus I have a picture as well my background on my phone as the title 
because all I'm focused on is the title and winning that title. Where the title will be in my apartment, where, <laughs> how it's going to feel when I, you know, show my mom the belt, how it's going to feel to have that belt in my hands versus I'm not even focusing on any of my competition because they don't matter. Right. That's awesome. All man. I focus on is winning. <laughs> Same thing in business. I love it. Well, Harris, thanks a lot for coming on the show and uh, definitely let's keep in touch, man. All right, brother. Will do. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, appreciate being a baller on your show. No problem, dude. Have a good, have a good day. Thanks for being awesome and joining us on another episode of the Internet Ballers Podcast. Be sure to listen next week where I'll be sharing another story of yet another inspiring Internet baller. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers Podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers Podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.